The battle for first place in the NL Central begins tonight here in Milwaukee. We've got Brewer news. We'll talk some Green Bay Packers, NBA, as well as wrap up everything with the U.S. Open in golf over the weekend. All that coming up. It's the 414 Sports Podcast. Let's go. But instead, it's the 414 Sports Podcast, and it starts right now. This is the 414 Sports Podcast. I'm Don Wachillas. Thank you so much for logging in and joining us, whether you've done so on Spotify, Google, Apple, or any of the other five platforms that we currently reside on. Glad to have you with us on this Monday. And a happy Father's Day, a belated happy Father's Day to everyone who was celebrating on yesterday. It was a big sports weekend, as it always is on Father's Day weekend. So coming up here, we're going to talk about the Milwaukee Brewers, who have at least got back on track a little bit before a very important homestand, which begins tonight. We've got some Packer news. Want to dive in a little bit with the NBA championship and suddenly this beef between the Memphis Grizzlies and the Golden State Warriors. We'll get to that a little bit later. We'll also wrap up the U.S. Open as golf had one of those epic weekends. If you're a golf fan, to sit down and watch golf and watch players make a run, fall off the face of the earth, and we'll get to all that towards the end of the podcast. But let's start with the Milwaukee Brewers. And before we get into this matchup with the St. Louis Cardinals coming up beginning tonight, the Brewers made a move over the weekend that I think everybody knew had the potential of of happening. But for many, including myself, I, I guess I didn't want to put the realistic goggles on and believe that it could. Had this discussion literally on Friday with somebody on the golf course about Lorenzo Cain and what are we doing keeping Lorenzo Cain? And I thought, you know, what he does in the locker room, he's still playing great defense, and yes, he's struggling offensively. I, who are you going to bring up to replace Lorenzo Cain? And so we had that debate uh, throughout those 18 holes, and then lo and behold comes Saturday, the Brewers do designate Lorenzo Cain for assignment. Cain, 36, only hitting 179 this year with 145 at-bats. He struggled throughout June. That that was somewhat obvious going 4 for 26 during the month of June. He had no walks, seven strikeouts. He just He just has lost it at the plate. He just did. He's still playing great defense, but at the plate, he just can't find any sort of rhythm. So the Brewers decided to release Lorenzo Cain. Now, let's let's cover this or talk about it, I should say, in two different ways. Number one, Lorenzo Cain is something of a father figure coming off of Father's Day in that locker room. So I have a bit of concern as to how the Brewers now will maintain what, outwardly looking in, 
has been an unbelievable cohesion with this group. And when you read different things throughout the last couple of years, much of that has been because of Lorenzo Cain. He's been that central figure in the locker room where players could go for advice and one of those individuals who helped keep the locker room loose in the midst of a 162-game schedule. My fear, my fear always when I see a player of Lorenzo Cain's caliber both on and off the field being released by a team is I go back to when the Bucks, when the big three with Sam Cassell and Ray Allen and Glenn Robinson made that run in the late 90s, they had somebody on that team by the name of Scott Williams. And Scott Williams played sparingly, but much of what you read after Scott Williams' departure from the Milwaukee Bucks, after they made that run against the 76ers and got closed out in a Game 7 in that Eastern Conference Championship before um, everything kind of fell apart with the Big Three, everything that you read had to do with Scott Williams being the glue in the locker room. Scott Williams, after playing all those championships with the Chicago Bulls, became that figure in the locker room that knew how to handle everybody's ego. He knew how to juggle everything, how to keep things cohesive, how to help that team make the run. And then the Bucks decided at the end of the year to release Scott Williams because they felt they needed a bigger rebounding presence. They bring in Anthony Mason, and it began the descent into the big three being dissolved in what became, you know, 15 years of bad basketball here in the city of Milwaukee. Scott Williams was a major component of keeping everybody together, of keeping that team a team and moving forward. And so there are other factors within a baseball locker room. It's obviously much bigger than an NBA locker room, but there will be a void with Lorenzo Cain leaving, and I'm hoping that the Brewers will find a way to keep that cohesion that somebody within the organization, within that team now, can step up and fill the void. Or maybe the Brewers just go out and hire Lorenzo Cain as as some sort of coach to keep him in the locker room and keep that presence there, but we'll have to wait and see as time plays on. It may not be anything that Lorenzo Cain wants to do. I just, in all of the reading of the Milwaukee Brewers, you find that Lorenzo Cain is a very important figure off the field. So let's see what happens as the Brewers get ready to open up that series as we were talking about against the St. Louis Cardinals. And But before we get off this Lorenzo Cain thing, shout out to the Milwaukee Brewers who did not release Lorenzo Cain until Saturday. Why is that important? Lorenzo Cain's tenure within Major League Baseball by waiting by the Brewers waiting till Saturday allows him to get his pension. That's a class move by the organization. It says a lot about what the organization I think believes in what Lorenzo Cain did for them both on and off the field and by doing so it's also a great PR move. When you talk about free agents and they read those types of things as far as the Brewers doing things in a class way, it helps make the team in the city that much more attractive in trying to get other free agents to join your team in the future. So a class move by the organization. Um, I'm just sorry to see Lorenzo Cain go. He was one of my favorites watching him on the field, but uh, we know it's a business, and we know he's been struggling, so 
we just wish him the best. And, and you wish it didn't come to this, but it did. And now the Brewers come home after sweeping the Cincinnati Reds. It feels like you got to face the Cincinnati Reds every once in a while to get healthy. And the Brewers, who have been struggling throughout the month, the month of June, excuse me, got healthy with the Cincinnati Reds, sweeping them over the weekend. They're still in first place, 38-30 and 30 in the NL Central. But now the St. Louis Cardinals come to town. They're also 38-30 and 30 in second place, however, percentage points uh, within the NL Central. So this three-game homestand will mean a lot. Corbin Burns, 4-4 four four with a 2-5-2 ERA, will take the mound this evening. And with everything being said, the Brewers 15 and 12 at home, and they've gone 20 and 6 in games where they've hit at least two home runs. So keep that in mind. If you see a couple of jacks early on, you figure that the Brewers have a good chance of winning this thing. And then also, you've got with the St. Louis Cardinals, the likes of Paul Goldschmidt, who has been an absolute terror offensively 22 doubles and 16 home runs, hitting 344. So far for the St. Louis Cardinals, they are the team, as we've been saying throughout many of these podcasts, that we need to be worried about. And this is one of those series early on in the season. We have yet hit the halfway point, so we're still, as I'm concerned, as far as I'm concerned, we're still early on in the season, that Milwaukee is going to need to not only win this series, a sweep of the series would be miraculous, but win the series. Start getting those games under your belt so that when we get to the end of August and September, you've built enough equity that you can just kind of make your way through. I mean, every prognosticator believes the Milwaukee Brewers will win the NL Central, and yet here are the St. Louis Cardinals once again simply hanging around. So tonight, a series at home against our division nemesis, I guess is the best way to say it, in the St. Louis Cardinals begins 7-10, first pitch at American Family Field. We're going to take a break. On the other side of the break, let's talk about some Green Bay Packer news. There isn't a whole lot going on after uh, mandatory training camp in which, yes, Aaron Rodgers did show up. Let you know, everybody fall over backwards because the quarterback showed up to do what he's supposed to do. But we'll get to some Packer news on the other side of this quick timeout. Let's talk about our beloved Green Bay Packers who made a move themselves over the weekend. I don't know how shocking it is. A bit surprising, however. Kurt Bankert, the backup quarterback, the third-string quarterback for the Green Bay Packers last year, was released. There were a lot of people that thought Kurt Bankert had a real legitimate shot of being the number three quarterback again because of his experience with Matt LaFleur's offense. But the Packers deciding to release Kurt, and in doing so now, it looks as if Jordan Love 
won't be the trade bait some thought he would be going into the preseason as the quarterback room will have Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, and Danny Etling now as your three quarterbacks heading into camp. So is it surprising? A little bit. Shocking? No. Not to the level of, let's say, what we were speaking of, Lorenzo Cain, but a bit of a head-scratcher as as the Packers move forward. The Packers, going into the season, we've we've heard and read and talked a lot about their defense. The Packers have the potential of starting seven first-round picks on the defensive side of the ball heading into this 2022 season. That tells you a lot about what the emphasis has been as far as the draft classes have gone with the Packers front office. It'll be interesting to see how those items play out. There's been a lot of talk, as we just got done saying a few seconds ago, about the defense. I'm not so sure I want to focus in on that right now. The defense will hopefully be good, and hopefully the special teams will be markedly better because it was the special teams last year that cost this group an opportunity to at least make a Super Bowl run with the collapse against the San Francisco 49ers. But it's the offensive side I'm still questioning moving forward. And I'm questioning gently, though, because there's still so much to be had over the next weeks and months leading into not only training camp but preseason and then finally the season the season opener in that you've gotten rid of Devontae Adams. And when I say you've gotten rid of, Devontae Adams chose to leave and go to the Las Vegas Raiders. And that is such a huge hole to fill offensively. And yes, I'm sure Matt LaFleur has come up with creative ways to use the running backs, to use his current set of wide receivers in order to fill that void. But when you have the athleticism and the skill of a Devontae Adams, that's still a void that needs to be reckoned with. And so the running game has been good. The offensive line has been good. Tight ends, we're still thinking about Robert Tunyon. Will he come back and be the Robert Tunyon of old? We're hoping that Sammy Watkins will find the Sammy Watkins of old, the Sammy Watkins of the Kansas City Chiefs and not the Baltimore Ravens. But who will be that other component? Now, the one bright spot is that Aaron Rodgers has always been effective, even with Devontae Adams out of the mix. There were games when Devontae Adams was injured, could not play, and Aaron Rodgers found ways to disseminate the ball to other receivers to spread things out a little bit more because the person he relied on most wasn't on the field. So there's that that gives you a bit of hope moving forward. But I think offensively, the question marks still remain. And so we've got weeks yet before we get to training camp. And obviously, once training camp starts, there are going to be veterans who are released. So there are those who will fill the void that the Packers will reach out and grab, hopefully, because you know other teams will have drafted or grabbed free agents and suddenly they've had a veteran on this team and that free agent or that draft draftee um, is is doing what they had hoped and now the veteran becomes expendable. So if you get those veterans who are expendable, hopefully the Packers will be able to grab one or two and that will then answer 
the questions moving forward. I just think moving forward, defensively, we look pretty stout. We think we've shored up some things with the special teams, but it's all about the offense in this league, and it's all about will Aaron Rodgers be able to find that go-to when it's when it's when it's crunch time. And so as we move closer, it's hard to believe we're moving closer to camp opening this summer. As we are moving closer to camp, as we move closer to preseason games before obviously we kick things off against the Minnesota Vikings, the offense will be the number one story. Before we close out here and move to a break, the USFL is headed towards their playoffs. Is anybody watching? I'm I'm just curious. The football has been okay. Some of the things that they've implemented as far as cameras go, I think you're going to see uh, Fox and um, NBC as well as CBS try and duplicate as far as bringing the game into our living rooms. But I don't know if spring football has captured the imagination uh, of the viewing audience. And fortunately for the USFL, they've had Fox as one of their backers and so they've been at least able to stay solvent throughout this season. But I'm just curious as to does anybody really care if you don't have necessarily a team from your city in the mix? We'll talk about that a little bit more on Wednesday because, as I said, the USFL is headed into their playoffs. And come next year, you'll have the USFL and the XFL both trying to play spring football at the same time. And so you've got to wonder when does the market become oversaturated and will they be able to survive and all of that stuff, which will make for good talk coming up later this week. On the other side of the break, we want to talk about the NBA, who has crowned a new champion after the Bucks fell to the Boston Celtics this year. The new champ resides once again in San Francisco with the Golden State Warriors. But what has become more interesting is this little tiff they have now with the Memphis Grizzlies, which in many cases, it seems as if it's taking the shine off of the Golden State Warriors and what many people think of them. So we'll get into that in just a sec. your reigning NBA champs as they took down the Boston Celtics last week. Took six games. I thought it would take five, but at least I picked the right team, I guess, if we're going that route. So it was number four for what would essentially be the big three in Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, and Steph Curry uh, with the Golden State Warriors, and they just got impressive. And, of course, everybody stepped up when they needed to step up. And you could see that championship pedigree kind of take over. And, and really with some of the other guys on the Golden State Warriors like Andrew Wiggins and Poole and some of the others, they could just kind of see how to go about their business, how to do it, how to have that swag. And you saw at times Boston feeling like they were in trouble. You could just visibly watch 
Boston feel the pressure as games five and six proceeded and, and in essence almost watch them crumble. And, and you can't necessarily belittle the Boston Celtics because it was their first trip with a very young group. So now that's a young group who's had that experience, who's had that playoff experience, and that will help them next year and the years moving forward. And again, as long as you don't get plagued with injuries. And injuries are what plagued the Golden State Warriors the last two years. And Steph Curry, after losing last year, essentially said, just wait till next year, and he was absolutely right. The thing that has been standing out, though, since that victory started with the postgame presser with Clay Thompson. So Clay Thompson was talking about a tweet that happened earlier in the season by Jaron Jackson Jr. And Jaron Jackson Jr. talked about strength in numbers. And Clay Thompson just went off the rails in the midst of his presser following the NBA championship. Clay Thompson says, and I quote, strength in numbers is alive and well. There was this one player who tweeted strength in numbers after they beat us in the regular season, and it pissed me off so much. I can't wait to retweet that thing, freaking bum. I had to watch that like, I'm just like, this freaking clown, you're going to mock us? You ain't even been there before, bro. We've been there. We know what it takes. So to be here again, hold that. And and it went on now where others are jumping in the fray. You knew Draymond Green was going to jump into the fray. Like, why are you worried about the Memphis Grizzlies? Yes, John Morant and company had a great year, but as you alluded to in your tweet, they're not there yet. And so to get into these petty arguments, and petty they are, when you're a four-time NBA champion, rise above that. Clay, you're too good of a player. Yes, you've had injuries, and yes, those injuries have probably um, hurt in the wallet a little bit because you haven't been able to showcase your skills, and there were times within the NBA playoffs where you, you could tell you're still not all the way back, and yet you still contributed in a major way. Stop worrying about this petty nonsense. This petty nonsense will take the shine off of the Larry O'Brien trophy for a lot of people around the country who were, in essence, thrilled to see you get number four. Don't get involved in that petty mess. You guys are four-time now NBA champions. You have a dynasty much like the New England Patriots had in football with Tom Brady. Embrace what you all do. Embrace the fact that you are champions and stop worrying about petty little social media things that are happening in and around you. It's a different generation. It just is. This generation, because you've grown up with social media, you're heavily involved with it, and you take many of those things to heart when you really shouldn't. Just let it roll and enjoy the fact that you've got the trophy because you earned it. It was a a very much entertaining six-game series for the championship. And so, I mean, as as a Bucks fan, I was glad you beat Boston because you beat the team that knocked us out of a chance to, uh, to repeat as NBA champs. Just don't get involved in that petty mess. On the other side, speaking of petty mess, let's talk some golf. 
The U.S. Open wrapped up yesterday, and there are many out there kind of wondering what happened to those on the Live Tour uh, as the U.S. Open came down the home stretch. So we'll wrap this podcast up with a little pro golf, and we'll do so in just a minute. wrap this podcast up with a little pro golf as the U.S. Open concluded yesterday on Father's Day. Matt Fitzpatrick shoots a two-under final round to finish at minus six and win the U.S. Open. Will Zalatoris and Scotty Scheffler coming in second at minus five. Will Zalatoris on 18 with a chance to tie. Has the ball just miss by centimeters to the left as it rolled past the hole in an attempt to push for a playoff with he and Matt Fitzpatrick, but Fitzpatrick prevails. And once again, the USGA setting up that course in such a fashion where if you were watching on Saturday, at times it almost got painful. It almost got painful to watch what these guys were having to deal with as far as the weather, the rough, where the pin placements were, you name it. The USGA once again, um, did what it does best when it comes to the U.S. Open is really put a course in such a position to challenge uh, these professional golfers and at times make them look silly. Uh, So to see somebody finish this tournament under par where your leader was minus six, that, that says a lot about the way Matt Fitzpatrick went about his business throughout the week. But again, the talk obviously had to stem around the Live Tour. And we talked about the Live Tour extensively in our last podcast. Dustin Johnson finished tied for 24th at a plus four. He was probably, as far as the Live Golf Tour goes, the top ranking uh, finisher within the U.S. Open. So again, there's this debate that exists. There are people who get petty over it you know like hey live tour where you been uh good to see you show up at the u.s open and then bow out you know all of those things that take place on social media so the live tour resumes again uh coming up in portland oregon this week so it'll be interesting to see the numbers with regards to the tour uh playing in portland and the pga tour what their numbers are going to be and how this thing continues to play out Again, if the Live Tour is to survive and will survive, it won't be because of financial backing. It will be simply because it will be determined that the U.S. Open, the Masters, the Open slash British Open will decide not to allow those players on that tour to participate in their tournaments. Now, the Scottish Open which is for many kind of a warm-up to the Open, where many will go and play the Scottish Open to get used to link-style golf, get used to the time change, and all of those factors has said now that they will not allow live players to participate in their tournament. 
if the Open follows suit and the Masters follows suit. We already know that the PGA Championship will not allow them. And the USGA, the backers of the U.S. Open, have said they're going to take some time here before they make their judgment. If those four majors are not in play, no matter how much money the Live Tour throws at some of these guys, I don't think you're going to see this max exodus that many are worried about when it comes to the PGA Championship. So on that Father's Day, Matt Fitzpatrick now, your current U.S. Open champion. That'll do it for us on this podcast today. Thank you for logging in and joining us. Don't forget to take care of one another and enjoy, and we'll talk to you a little bit later in the